Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Halibut people and their world. I'm Glenn Wheeler. The Mi'kmaq made their canoes out of birch bark. These birch bark canoes were around 10 to 30 feet in length. They were made higher on the sides so that water wouldn't get in if they went on the ocean. The Mi'kmaq also made boats out of moose skin. They would sew together 25 skins or so. A moose skin boat could carry several families and their supplies. Our guest on Mi'kmaq Matters this week is Morley Gugu, Regional Chief for the Assembly of First Nations in Nova Scotia and Newfoundland. Chief Gugu is from Unamagi, also known as Cape Breton. He was re-elected recently for a further three-year term at the AFN. That was good news for the Halibut because Chief Gugu has been a strong supporter, unlike some Mi'kmaq chiefs in the Atlantic region. I talked to Chief Gugu about his involvement on the Halibut file, the possibilities of the Halibut joining the AFN, and reconciliation between the Halibut and our Mi'kmaq brothers and sisters. Let me ask you about the, uh, the meeting you were at recently with the Halibut and the federal government. Uh, what uh, what were your impressions of that meeting? Well, uh, first of all, I went to that meeting to show my support to Chief Mitchell and the Halibu Band, and uh, no decisions were being made yet on me- band membership at that time, but um, I was also privileged to a lot of items that were confidential. Um, but my support was that AFN... Uh, was going to be in support of um, the way forward for uh, Chief Mitchell and the Halibut Band. Mm-hmm. Now that's, uh, and I'm sure Chief Mitchell was appreciative of the support because among the uh, the Mi'kmaq chiefs in Atlantic Canada, there has been some, um, you know, mixed opinion. I think it's fair to say about how the Halibut came into being without some say enough uh, consultation. Uh, with the uh, the existing bands in Atlantic Canada, so what what is the what are the views among the chiefs in Atlantic Canada towards the uh, the Halibut? Well, let me uh, broaden that view and uh, to all of Canada, so it doesn't really particularly uh, pin against Atlantic chiefs against Halibut. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think a couple things. I think there's whole uh, Indigenous people in Canada are just leery and are um, questioning the process. What Canada uses to recognize First Nations, you know, do they have a tool? Do they have a mechanism? Is there a criteria? You know, because it's not just particular here. There's other uh, groups in Canada, and as a matter of fact, there's around 62 groups uh, seeking official recognition under the Indian Act um, in Canada at this point. And luckily. Uh, Halapu uh, has a uh, passed that stage and has recognition under the Indian Act. Um, so this is just not a Halapu and Mi'kmaq uh, issue, but it's more an issue of uh, providing proper information from Indian Affairs on who and how they recognize bands and uh, the transparency of that, you know, um, to other communities in that. Uh, I think a lot of First Nations should be a lot more aware of 
of those processes. And uh, if they're not, people are obviously going to uh, uh, question uh, area where there's a lot of questions that are not answered. So it sounds like you have two concerns. One, the rules change from case to case. It's not quite clear what the what the rules are, and people uh, bans aren't kept in the loop when um, when bans are being recognized by the federal government. You know, uh, it's a. Uh, very important to recognize too is that you know uh, I recognize this person as a, a Mi'kmaq person as a regional chief as well, and that's why I'm very supportive of Halibu getting uh, uh, as much uh, recognition it can, because you know I recognize the uh, policies and uh, assimilation efforts and uh, unfortunate. Um, way our people didn't want to identify themselves to be outcasted amongst other uh, Canadian communities, not getting jobs, and uh, some areas were more successful than others. And um, right now we're at a time in history where we're building our identity up. We're doing reconciliation. You know, we're doing nation-to-nation building. And it's important that this time that we do correct the wrongs of what Canada did and Canadian policy did. And uh, reconciliation doesn't just happen to happen to Indigenous people and Canadians. It also has to happen with us amongst all Indigenous people because um, we need to operate from uh, supporting each other and we need to operate from a point of view that we've also had limited information, you know, of how we recognize ourselves as Mi'kmaq, you know, and uh, a status card is just a status card, you know, it doesn't define us, um, but at the same time, there are, uh, there's a history of inadequate funding for communities and education and health and social services and housing, and of course, uh, it's only natural for people to be concerned if there's going to be a greater number of uh, bands and indigenous people recognized um, and no clear communication of uh, how funding issues are going to uh, be added to those additional uh, um, members that may be uh, added and or communities, mm-hmm. you know. So um, those are natural concerns. Of course, the Halibu are a, are a landless band, and um, it, there are a few. There are some other landless bands in Canada. Do you think that uh, landless bands are should try to become reserve-based bands with land, or can they carry on and uh, provide for their members uh, just uh, on a landless band uh, status? I think it's a combination of both. I think they should have reserves to be have reserve status and, and benefits, but also reserves have been also very big disadvantage uh, for a lot of communities, you know, depending where you're geographically located. You know, keep in mind too, it's uh, we have a lot of communities. There's 635 communities uh, approximately, if you were to take some across Canada. Some of those communities only owned, uh, you know, small acreage of lands, you know, populations of 100 to 200 um, and a very small land base. So 
while they have land, it's really very inadequate land and sometimes very geographically located in a bad location to sustain or uh, have successful economic development, you know? So um, the reserve is not the end-all, be-all, holy grail for a community. Um, More importantly is the... um, the location of the community, the, the services the community can provide, and, uh, you know, a lot of our uh, communities never gave up. It's a lot of a just unceded uh, Mi'kmaq territory here, and uh, but we do need to create our communities, and we need to create uh, infrastructure and housing and things that uh, uh, we should be able to provide for our people, and uh, reserves are what Indian Affairs and governments recognize, but they're still inadequately providing for a lot of the communities across Canada. So, you know. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, uh, financial resources, and I think one of the concerns that uh, some existing uh, bands had when the Alapu arrived on the scene with more than 20,000 members would was the potential impact on services like non-insured uh, health benefits. Um, have you had have you heard that uh, concern from from other chiefs, and uh, have you seen any sign of that? Because the Halibu have been around for, I guess, about five years now, drawing on NIHB and other uh, federal funds. Have you seen any negative impact on those uh, funds uh, with the arrival of the of the Halibu? Well, um, I, I haven't seen it uh, uh, the negative impacts. I think. Uh, I commend Chief Mitchell for coming and Chief Michel supporting him at, to come to the Atlantic Policy Congress uh, to provide information of the Halibu Band um, and reach out for um, its colleagues to uh, provide continuous support and recognition. Um, and um, that's what a leader does, and I commend Mitchell for uh, doing that, I invited him to our AFN meeting in December, uh, and I'll invite him again in July because I think it's important for him to continue to uh, be in those places, you know, and uh, uh, be just like any other community um, across Canada. And that's going to take time in some cases, and uh, um, and it's going to take uh, uh, strong leadership to continue advocating and uh, find the community's rightful place. So you you've been very supportive of the of the Halibut cause uh, throughout, even though the Halibut are not members uh, of the of the AFN. Would there be support from the uh, from the other chiefs um, if the Halibut were to try and formally join the AFN? Uh, do you think? Well, the first process, uh, Chief Mitchell had uh, expressed the interest to be part of AFN and. Uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not there to continuously try to lobby people to join AFN. I'm here to support people and the chiefs that are part of the membership. Um, and uh, the process for Chief Mitchell to uh, um, be part of AFN would be one to get uh, support from this region, and for this region to table a resolution at our annual assembly, and then the AFN. Uh, annual assembly, which is all the chiefs across Canada, have to vote on that issue. Um, and 
So it's Should a two-step process. Direction? It's a two-step process. Then the chiefs from the region have to yeah. put forward the resolution, and then all 600 some chiefs would uh, vote on the resolution. Yeah, maybe it's a three-step three because the community and the chief would have to request, and then then the second would be the region would have to support mm-hmm. and uh, send a resolution, and third would be the uh, chiefs at the assembly. And uh, if uh, Halibu wants to go through that process, I'll be 100% supportive of it, as long, along with uh, Chief Michelle Joe uh, would be supportive of it. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the process that uh, would have to happen. And how about the other chiefs in the region on the on the second part, the the resolution from the region? Do you think there will be support at that stage? Oh, there was support at uh, the original time that Chief Mitchell came to Atlantic Policy Congress to talk to the uh, my region and Nova Scotia, Newfoundland region that would have to uh, look at that. Um, but there is also concerns because uh, they didn't finalize their membership yet, and uh, numbers that were out there was a hundred thousand applicants, you know, mm-hmm. which was uh, larger than all the Mi'kmaq here in Nova Scotia. So when you try to uh, include that kind of membership and the Mi'kmaq Nation doesn't have a say, uh, Indian Affairs just does and everything's um, not communicated, there are going to be questions and there are going to be concerns. And uh, um, they said they will look at it again once the final numbers uh, were decided. And uh, if uh, Chief Mitchell decides to come back, um, I'll be very, very supportive of it again, even uh, um, stronger advocacy uh, for it. And um, yeah, so whatever the community wants uh, and needs and whatever I can provide support on, I'm definitely more than willing to. So it sounds like... uh the formal membership in AFN would have to wait until um, next July. year when the the found the, when the the list uh, of names to be added to the registry are are finalized. We'll know the the final numbers at that time, and the um, joining the AFN would have to wait until that time. It sounds like. Well, I think uh, even um, possible July. Just July could be an option. Um, um, but that's something more information, uh, as time goes on, more information surfaces, uh, that we can make that decision on. But, uh, I think at the end of the day, it would be definite benefit for, um, the band to be part of AFN, uh, because it's going to be continuing lobbying for additional things. And, uh, if you're part of, a a large organization like AFN definitely has its advantages. AFN Regional Chief Morley Gugu. I asked Alapu Communications Officer Allison White if there are plans to pass a resolution at the band level to begin the process for band membership in the AFN. No reply yet. Before we go, a reminder to sign the Alapu Enrollment e-petition to be read in Parliament. Information on Facebook or Google. Alapu Enrollment E-Petition. And that's it for the show. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. 
thanks also to Halapoo artist Marcus Goss for permission to use Celebration Time. Follow us on Twitter at Matters. That's M-I-Q-M-I-Q Matters. Check us out online, migma-matters.blogspot.ca. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.